0: A few years ago, my grandmother told me the story about the night that the cruise ship Estonia sunk, taking the lives of 852 people down into the depths of the Baltic Sea with it. She was long since retired at the time, but she had worked all her life as a church organiser, and she told me that when she heard about the catastrophe on the evening news, she immediately went back to her old church, making sure to bring two things with her all the blankets that she could find, and all the chocolate she had in the house. This was going to be a long and hard night for everyone. My grandmother held no official position or authority. She was only armed with the experience of having consoled countless people in their moments of grief throughout her life. She was later praised by her community for her quick and decisive action and her clarity in what was important at that time of terrible crisis. Sometimes leaders aren't appointed or elected, but merely someone being at the right place, at the right moment, with the ability to do what needs to be done. Welcome, everyone, to this podcast about leadership in times of crisis. We will be discussing how leaders can emerge from the unlikeliest of places, driven by need or simply chance, and we will do it as a, against the backdrop of Peter Northhouse's North theories on authentic and trait leadership. My name is Richard Boltz and opposite me sits Klaus Tarnstern.
1: Hi! Hey, son. So we're both students of the Business and Management Programme at the Stockholm School of Economics, and we're doing this podcast as a part of the course Leading Change, held by Andrew Chenkel. Should we get to it?
0: Yes, we should. It's an interesting thought that some leaders become leaders by mere chance, and not by election or appointment.
1: It really is. And even though I think it's very common for leaders to emerge in this way on a small scale, like your grandmother did, it happens on the very highest level sometimes as well. From Cincinnatus of ancient Rome to George Washington of the US, history is riddled with people whose leadership was thrust upon them by circumstance. These people, pulled away from the farms and forged into leadership by war and rebellion, are remembered in history too, as the virtuous leaders they turned out to be.
0: Of course they are. And it's not just kings and generals that have found themselves in this situation. More recent history and current events are showing us that even state epidemiologists can sometimes pick up the mantle of leadership when it's required.
1: Absolutely. The semi-famous Swedish entrepreneur Ashken Fardos recently tweeted that Anders is currently the acting prime minister of Sweden, Not on paper, but symbolically. He stands on the front line. He takes the, uh, excuse me, pardon my French, shit. The state epidemiologist, a position I was completely and happily unaware of six months ago, has come to rule Sweden based solely on his authority on the crisis that has brought the world to its knees. Uh, Another tweet, this one's from Expressen's political commentator, Viktor Bartkron declares Tegnell as the new gold standard for medial appearances from public servants, as he answers questions in a straightforward fashion without dodging or redirecting something completely unseen elsewhere. How come Tegnell has risen above all others in this crisis?
0: Well, in order to answer that question, we must first determine exactly what it means to be in a crisis situation. The Oxford English Dictionary defines crisis as a time of great danger difficulty or doubt, when problems must be solved or important decisions must be made. Now, this definition lends some insight into what kind of leadership is required in times of crisis, but we'll get to that. Dr. Mikael Sandstrom highlighted in Quartal that some crises are best left alone by authorities, while some demand direct action. In this pod, focus will be placed on those crises where leaders must intervene concretely due to the severity of the crisis and how leadership emerges from unexpected people in such times. But how does it happen and why is it important?
1: Well, there are several reasons for the differences between leaders suitable in calm times and crisis respectively. Northhouse outlines five traits that most scholars agree contribute to strong leadership. Three of which I believe are extra important in times of crisis. Namely, determination, self-confidence and integrity. Determination is, according to Northhaus, the desire to get the job done and includes characteristics such as initiative, persistence, dominance and drive. Being determined includes showing dominance at times and in situations where followers need to be directed.
0: Okay, well it's not difficult to understand why a little determination is important in times of deep crisis. But I also do see how some of those characteristics aren't necessarily desirable in a leader under ordinary circumstances. I mean, take the Romans as an example. They only opted for the more determined dictators when they had invaders on their doorsteps. In peacetime, they favored a rather slow and discursive Senate and democracy.
1: I agree. And the same is true for self-confidence. Defined as the ability to be certain about one's competencies and skills, most democracies are intrinsically designed to limit the possibility for confident leaders to cause drastic changes. When crisis hits, though, confident leaders are called for as fast decisions, sometimes with major consequences, must be made.
0: Now, I do hear what you're saying. But you also make it sound a little bit like nice guys are good leaders in peacetimes, whilst only bullies can lead in a crisis, being determined and confident in their own ability. That doesn't seem to fit that well with Tegnell's persona.
1: Now you see, that's where the integrity of authentic leadership comes in. People resonate with Tegnell not only because he seems confident and determined, but because he radiates authenticity. It's like Bart Knoll tweeted, he's the only person on TV that answers the questions he's asked without any fuss. His conduct gives him a reputation of competence, trustworthiness, and integrity, which I believe is the most important factor in times of crisis. Now,
0: it's interesting that you bring up competence because Dr. Dr. Niklas Anderson argued just that in Quartal, the role of competence, knowledge, and primarily expertise in crisis leadership. He said, that no one can truthfully claim to know what the right way forward is and which decisions are the correct ones, because the lack of understanding about the given situation renders truth completely impossible. Insufficient data, big assumptions and models, and the trade-off between different positive and negative consequences for different groups leave any claim that an opinion or a plan of action is backed by science just completely false. Because no science can say how many lost percent of GDP a human life is worth, or foresee the number of deaths from a disease the world has never seen before. Science can merely inform, and it's the job of good leaders to be informed and to base their decisions and judgment calls on that information.
1: Exactly, and that's why it makes sense to resonate with a figure like Tignel, when Authentic leadership has been called a response to some of the worrying trends we see in society today, such as fake news and discourse dominated by division and polarization.
0: Okay, so in these divisive times, how can we know that an authentic leader is in fact authentic? I'd say it's quite hard to tell the difference between a person that really is authentic and and another one who simply projects the traits that we associate with authentic leaders? Could it be that authentic leaders don't have static personalities, but rather that they change depending on what their followers expect from them in any given situation? In other words, could authenticity be a function of circumstance? Personally, I think the answer to that is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as long as the appearance of competence and the confidence that comes with it is enough to inspire followers to comply when it's truly necessary.
1: True. And as we're not epidemiologists, we can't really tell how much Tingnell knows or not. But I think the important thing is that he seems like the man with the plan. His actual competence may not matter that much for how we perceive him as a leader. In fact, I think it can be good to be aware of your own incompetence. I would like to draw a parallel to Kurtzner's view on uh, incomplete information and sheer ignorance. In 2009, during the swine flu outbreak, Tegnell defended his position that vaccinating the entire population of Sweden was a good plan because, and I quote, both European and Swedish authorities have gone through the available data and found it conclusive enough to make the decision that the risks of falling ill are far greater than the vaccine's theoretical risks. Relying too heavily on available information can make you underestimate the vast amount of information that is unavailable, making you commit critical errors in judgment as a consequence. As Kurtzner said, we can't know what we don't know, and humbly accepting that is important to anticipate uncertainties such as crises.
0: I mean, for sure, it's equally important to admit to the gaps in your knowledge as it is to use the information that you do have in a wise way. I mean, for another example, Socrates himself supposedly said that the only way in which he was wiser than the oracle of Delphi was that he, unlike the oracle, didn't claim to know that which he didn't know.
1: You know, I'm not the one to argue with Socrates, but what is it that you're saying here? Should understand just go out and say that he's completely clueless, and that he's just making up things as you go. Wouldn't people panic?
0: Well of course if he said that he was completely clueless. But that's not the case. I mean he's a scientist and the beauty of science is that it doesn't only allow but it actually encourages people to change their minds when presented with new information. Admitting to previous gaps in his knowledge and changing course after learning something new might call people discomfort at first but would in my opinion leave him all the stronger afterwards. He has always framed himself as a man of science, so accepting new information would be completely consistent with his previous
1: narrative. So if he is authentic, and has the science on his side, why is Sweden still so criticized internationally? Haven't we got it under control?
0: Well, maybe that's a bit hypocritical, but I think that's because we've seen a lot of inauthentic leadership around with leaders posing as if they know everything. Clearly we are facing something here that not even science understands yet, and the best thing we can do is to try and listen to new research as it develops as carefully as we possibly can.
1: So you're saying that being backed by science sometimes means not having a clue at all?
0: You know what? I couldn't have put it better myself. Socrates would be proud.
1: So, as we reach the end of this pod, it seems only appropriate to try to answer the question I asked in the beginning. How did it happen that an epidemiologist became the de facto prime minister of Sweden? Well, it seems to have happened because that particular epidemiologist emerged as the only person with enough competence, determination, confidence, expertise, and backbone to be the leader we all needed right now. He was truly in the right place at the right time at this point only future history can tell us whether mr dignell is right or wrong in his pretty lax approach to covid19 that has garnered so much attention worldwide all we know is that we rely on him to get us through it and we all hope that he's right
0: yeah we definitely do and with that we say thank you very much for listening that was class tarnstein speaking my name is richard boltz thank you very much bye-bye
1: thank you